Hi to everybody listening. Just um, give us a few moments whilst my co-hosts call in um, and we'll be right with you. So I believe we're connected to Matt. Good morning and afternoon. <laughs> or evening. Or whatever it is you are in the world. Exactly. <laughs> morning in our case. Yeah, morning your case. Five o'clock here in sunny Manchester. So, Matt, you win the, the gold medal for the first of the three co-hosts to join us. It's my computer science degree in action. Oh, that must be it. So Roger and Scott are telling me that they've joined, but that they're not in. What did you do differently, Matt? There's the little call button at the bottom to click. Okay, I believe we've got Scott. Ah. There we go. Yep. There we, there we go, Scott. Uh, and I believe we've got Roger. Hello, can you hear me? Certainly can. Ah, brilliant. Marvellous. Cool, thank you, guys. So we'll give it another, um, I don't know, another three or four minutes till, till we get going anyway to get people a chance to uh, get set up on the app and things if they've not used it before. So um, just bear with us whilst we allow that to happen. I see that we've got a few people joining us, which is great. Matt and Scott, are you both in Portland? I am. So it is uh, cloudy and rainy in Portland, Oregon. Really? And it's sunny and sunny and bright in Manchester, UK. So <laughs> that makes a nice change. Uh, it's usually about the same, I think, right? Uh, Matt, you're down in Palo Alto, right? Yeah, I'm in Palo Alto, California. Uh, okay. How are things there? Also a bit cloudy. Mm. Yeah, we've had, it's, it's generally sunny and warm here, but we've had a, a little bit of extra weather this week. Okay, cool. Let's give people a couple more minutes. can see a couple more people just coming in now, joining on the audio. Thanks for bearing with us, everybody. Roger, how are things up in Berry? Not too far away from where I am, but enough to make a difference. No, e equally sunny, actually. Um, Crikey, we are doing we well. Did, we did have some some frost this morning. It dropped below zero last night, um, mm. which was a bit mm. unseasonal. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I took the dogs out at lunchtime, and it was a glorious, glorious walk. Actually, really nice. Good. Okay, can just see. Another couple of people have entered. So I'll just wait another minute or so. I think people are just getting used to this Podbean system. We're just getting used to it ourselves. So it's only natural. Give it till five past. 
Sounds good. Is there, yeah. is there any way for participants to ask questions? Yeah, so um, they can just put them straight into the chat field. So everybody that's listening, um, they should be able to see an input your message screen. Uh, if you do have any questions, just pop them straight into there at any time, and I'll make sure we pose those questions uh, to, to Roger, Matt, or Scott as we go along. Um, and then we'll do another Q&A at the end for if anybody has any. Um, or if anyone would like to call in, just let me know, and I can actually bring you in so you can speak to the guys directly, um, which is a cool little feature. So I can just see another two or three people have entered, which is fantastic. Um, so like I say... Oh, yeah, Matt, exactly where you've put that message. That's where we want the questions. <laughs> Always leading by example, aren't you, Matt? Doing what I can. <laughs> it's appreciated. Okay, so I think uh, let's let's get going. So thank you, everyone, for joining us for our um, second ever live podcast through Podbean. Um, so we are, of course... Um, here for Giant Talk, which is the world's first OKR podcast. Uh, and joining me today, I've got Roger, who is um, the founder of There Be Giants, which is, of course, who, who I work for as well. Uh, and we have, we have Matt and Scott um, from Coan. And I'm sure either any new listeners or longtime listeners of the show will be well aware by now that, that Coan uh, very kindly sponsored the podcast. So it's fantastic to have Matt and Scott join us, um, join us today. So welcome, everyone. Hey there. Thank you. Thank you for having um, us. Absolutely. So we are going to actually start doing these live podcasts monthly um, between ourselves and Coan. So there'll always be at least somebody from Derby Giants, at least somebody from Coan, um, and probably a few other guests who we rotate through the series as well. Um, if you do have any ideas of really specific issues you'd like us to address on the live podcast, please do just let us know. Uh, we're always happy to address those ideas. But just keep on tuning into the LinkedIn and the emails and things to, to watch out for where they're going to be. But they'll basically be the middle of the month every month. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the future of work. Um, I was, I'm sure everybody is aware we are going through probably the most interesting time for work. Well, certainly in modern history, I would say. Um, and it's thrown up a lot of questions and, you know, um, there's a lot of areas that need addressing and people need to start thinking about. But before we dive into that, um, Roger, can you kick us off just with a really quick introduction about yourself? Yeah, sure. No problem, Lawrence. So uh, as you said, you know, I founded There Be Giants. Uh, we're nearly coming up for our 10th birthday, actually. It comes on the 16th of, uh, 16th of June. Oh, wow. um, and uh, we we became uh, focused on OKRs about five years ago and have uh, really found that they have made a massive difference to the clients that we've worked with, both in terms of performance of the business, performance of teams, individual performance, level of alignment, engagement and such like. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, we work all over the world with clients in, in multiple sectors and it's uh, it's been it's been great work and continues to be great work as well. I thoroughly enjoy it, and the clients seem to get a lot from it too. Absolutely, um, and I've certainly thoroughly enjoyed my eighteen months coming up to two years with Derby Giants as well. So I can definitely second that. Good, um, good. Glad to, glad to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is being recorded. Exactly. Um, Matt Scott, can you guys just uh, quickly introduce yourselves and then um, tell us all about Coan? 
Yeah, I'm Matt Tucker, the co-founder and CEO of Koan. Um, Koan is a platform for um, helping companies and teams and have a, a better and simple approach to actually implementing OKRs from the planning process through living with your goals, checking in on progress, uh, and then even to rating and uh, creating a continual learning loop. Uh, and we built Koan to be particularly well-suited for remote workers, um, which is helpful in this crazy environment that we're all living in and looking forward to, to chatting more about that. Uh, I previously co-founded a collaboration uh, company called Jive Software. Cool. Thanks, Matt. And Scott? Yeah, Scott Campbell here, head of go-to-market operations for Koan, co-founder, uh, and been with the company for almost a year now. So we're relatively new to the organization. Um, Working with our clients, we've got uh, well over 200 clients around the globe that are using Koan successfully to, to manage their OKRs and goals across their enterprise. Uh, I've been in the tech industry for about 27 years now, so um, thrilled to be a part of Koan and thrilled to be associated with Therapy Giants. Fantastic. Thank you very much, guys. Um, so that's a really quick intro to who we all are. Um, well, actually, I didn't talk about myself, but guys, you hear me on the podcast every single week, so... Hopefully you know who I am by now. Um, Roger's thinking it's, it's about time he stopped talking about himself. Um, lips are sealed. <laughs> okay, so this podcast is about the future of work, as we said. But let's just sort of um, ground ourselves for a second here. Um, three months ago, what did the world of work look like, Roger? Well, I mean, certainly in terms of the way that we worked, uh, we were a fairly mobile team, um, but we had, uh, you know, very we did have an office that we tended to gravitate back to uh, on a fairly regular basis. Um, but fortunately, I think we did we we were lucky because we did have the tools in place to work more remotely if we needed to. But yeah, you know, a lot of travel, a um, lot of office time. Um, yeah, I would say that's that's pretty much how it how it looked actually. And what about for our clients? You know, traditionally, what what were we seeing? Yeah, well, we were seeing uh, pretty much you know office based working. You know, whenever we went to work with our clients, when we did uh, projects with uh, with clients, it would always be on site. Um, and and typically, those that perhaps maybe did work remotely were were asked to come into the office to work on. Uh, uh, to, to participate in the workshops that we were running. And, uh, yeah, so everything was just sort of office-focused, definitely. Mm. And, um, Matt, were you seeing a similar thing? I don't know if you can tell for your clients where and how they're working, but certainly through the conversations you were having, um, did it still feel like a pretty traditional setup of office-based work? Yeah, generally speaking. You know, there, I think there's a reason uh, it's called future of work. Yeah, these trends, none of these trends have been new, and we've all been talking about them as, oh, we see these things coming, and there's companies experimenting with it, and every organization you know, is becoming more, you know, more remote workers. People are having more flexibility. Um, certainly our, our customer base, um, which tends to uh, you know, embrace some of these trends a little bit early, and we were seeing mm -hmm. a lot of that, uh, but yeah, it was also a little bit business as usual. Um, the recession was maybe coming, but nobody was sure when. And we were on planes a lot, uh, just like our customers. Uh, so it was, um, yeah, it was uh, all that stuff. Maybe that's coming in the future. 
and sure. we're starting to experiment with it, but it's also a little bit business as usual. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess one of the things that we've seen really, um, and you touched on it there, Matt, is people were starting to do remote working, work from working from home, et cetera, et cetera, fully remote offices, fully remote setups. But um, I guess, Scott, what coronavirus has done is just forced us all into the same position, right? And everybody now has to be a trendsetter one way or another. Absolutely. I think, you know, as, as Matt referenced, everybody's been experimenting with this in the past and they've been forced into actually implementing it in reality um, and struggling with it. Right. Uh, I think a lot mm -hmm. of organizations are having difficulty figuring out, you know, what the operating rhythm of the organization is. How do they communicate and collaborate in, in an offline remote work environment? And certainly we've got a lot of tools at our disposal. I know that I've, I've spent more time on Zoom meetings in the last couple of weeks than I would like, you know, care to admit. Um, Slack, you know, and, and asynchronous communication tools are fantastic, but you know, most organizations are really, you know, struggling with how do you how do you connect with your coworkers? How do you share information that's appropriate? How do you get recognized for the work you're doing? Um, and how do you, you know, create? An atmosphere of accountability as well is is something that I believe most most organ organizations are struggling with. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, I think worldwide we're now reaching a point um, where the novelty's kind of worn off for people as well. You know, and people are certainly having to think. Actually, you know, this could go on one month, two months, three months, uh, six months. Um, how do we start to build some of those things that Scott was just talking about, Roger, so that we get past this novelty factor? Yeah, I mean, it was, it's, it's interesting you mentioned about the novelty factor because I was, I was, I was reading um, um, a newspaper article a couple of weeks ago saying that um, collectively, you know, the, the, after about six weeks, we, we were, a lot of people were having a crash around that point. And it was mm. it was because that novelty factor was wearing off. And it's not in the sense of, oh, I'm getting bored of it. It's a sense of actually the adrenaline is 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 ebbing down because the change is becoming the norm. And yeah. I know I know a lot of people that were really struggling a couple of weeks ago um, and thinking, when's this going to finish? Where's the end of it all? But mm. uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of what we need to do for our for our people, I think the first thing that we need to do for our people and we can't we can't forget that uh, uh, it, that that there is there are some very very basic needs which are being um uh, potentially challenged here for our for our people and these are um the, the needs of, of, of safety and security so before we can start doing anything more than that we have to make sure that they are feeling looked after and that they have what they need to 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 feel secure okay and that may sound a bit altruistic but it, it, it absolutely you know you won't get you you won't get a great deal of high performance out of them or any performance for that matter if they're still feeling under threat so you need to make sure that that's the case mm. and then we can then when that when when that's taken care of we need to we need to then think about actually well what are the social needs and how are we making sure that those are still being met and this is where it, this, you know, meeting social needs is important for collaboration. You know, you've got, um, uh, you know, teams that are all based in the office can go and just have a quick chat over a coffee or, you know, go for lunch or something like that. And, you, you mm -hmm. know, the, the, 
the conversation just and the communication just happens organically. I think what's really interesting, and you know, uh, this is a conversation that you and I and the rest of the team, rest of our team, had only just a few days ago. That when I asked the question, "Do you feel like we are actually functioning better as a team now? Are we communicating better as a team?" You know, everybody said yes, didn't they? Yeah, emphatically so. Yeah, exactly. Which is ironic, considering, well, I haven't seen you since March, <laughs> and and I uh, not face to face, and I haven't seen the rest of the team since uh, February. Mm. Um, and I never, ever, I'll hold my hands up and say I never thought I would actually say that. But it, it, I, what I put it down to is, and this may sound a bit stilted and a bit, um, uh, you know, and a, a bit, um, a bit forced, but we have. We make time for regular communication, don't we? And I think yeah, daily. That, exactly, and that has made the world of difference. Instead yeah. of just expecting it to happen around the office, and from that has come greater communication. So you know, I'd love to have some sort of you know secret formula that I could share with everyone, but I'm afraid it's a bit of a, a no shit Sherlock answer. That I think the fundamentally. Once you've made sure that everybody's feeling safe and secure, then it's about planning the communication. First mm. and foremost, setting up some really good habits around it. Really good habits. Okay, so what's OKR's got to do with all of this then? You know, we're talking about the future of work, which is a fantastically broad subject, but this is an OKR podcast, right? So let's let's just rein it in a little bit. And uh, maybe, Matt, you can take the lead here on just explaining how we can utilize OKRs at a time where we are now. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a, and, and ripping a little bit on that, you know, now we're all forced to, to suddenly live in this new world. Um, you know, one of the areas that we spent a bunch of time researching was um, before that the whole COVID crisis hit was what are the biggest companies out there that are remote only? And, you know, generally speaking, you know, is 500 people, 700 people. Um, you know, there weren't cases of thousands or tens of thousands uh, of person organizations that were remote only. And now suddenly they are. Uh, there are, mm -hmm. and everybody's living with it. Um, but one of the things to learn from those uh, organizations that have been doing remote only for a while is what are the practices that uh, they put in place? And um, things like what you just mentioned, that making very structured time for communication, having a cadence around it. Uh, but one of those really critical practices is being ultra clear about the outcomes uh, that we're trying to achieve and writing them down. And not only doing that, but having a methodology around it so that it becomes something that people can depend on and so that it can guide their work with more autonomy. Um, because command and control and you know, looking over everybody's shoulder uh, is still a bad idea when you're working in offices. It doesn't work at all uh, when everybody's remote. And that's really the, the power of OKRs is this becomes the company-wide and um, for the team all the way to the company way of defining these are the outcomes that we're trying to achieve. We're going to be ultra clear about how we're going to measure progress against them. And now that unleashes everybody to, and still you need to be checking in, still you need to have that cadence of uh, evaluating progress, and um, but it enables people to work autonomously and to have more purpose and in, in what they're knowing and knowing that they're making an impact. Mm. That's, that's really interesting. Roger Scott, do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yes. I, 
definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not to, to drill too far down into the accountability part and, and recognition for work that's that's been accomplished by individuals, but I think it's all about you know feeling connected around the company's goals. So OKRs, you know, just provide a, a fantastic methodology for that, especially in a remote environment. People just you know don't uh, naturally know exactly what to work on, and if they're not uh, you know continually reminded and drawn back into the company's objectives that are clearly outlined, then they'll go back to doing what they normally do. And that's not that they're lazy or don't know what to work on. It's just the lack of focus may not be as palpable in a, uh, in a virtual environment or, or remote work environment. Mm. Absolutely. Okay, Roger, I'm going to ask you to make a prediction for us then. Um, in six months' time, are we going to be back to – exactly where we were three months ago, you know, social distance allowing um, and, and restrictions being lifted allowing, um, or are we actually going to see a shift in, in working habits and practices? Um, I believe that we will see a shift, not across the board. I think some people uh, really want to go back to the way things were quite quickly. But I think a lot of organizations um, will wake up to the fact, if only driven by commercial motivation, uh, when they realize actually perhaps they don't need to be paying the rents on all the real estate that they've, that they've got, yeah. um, and they can cut back on that. Um, but I think this, in many ways, this, this whole, this, this, this you know, the, the, the COVID uh, pandemic has, has been a, 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 a proof of concept, perhaps. For remote working and it's proven that actually you know what it can work it genuinely can work but you have to flex and you have to shift and if, if there's you know i think about the managers and uh, uh the managers that perhaps have, 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 have maybe stood in the way of of uh, really promoting and championing the remote working in the past and my observations from 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 my experience has been that that's been predominantly down to a lack of trust mm. and you know all of a sudden any any managers that are you know micromanagers or you know wanting to watch people closely they are suddenly probably feeling very very challenged by this situation and they either have to find a way of shifting themselves or they have to find 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 something else to do because this reality is there's no there's no choice we've got it we've got to face up to it for at least the short term but in terms of how things will look in about six months' time, um, I think I think there'll be enlightened businesses that will embrace the, uh, the 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 changes that this or the opportunities that this is presented for us, um, and and I think um, and I think there will be major ways in the way that businesses approach um, planning as well for the future. Mm. Um, I think I think it, I think this whole situation um, creates a big uh, question mark and challenges the way that. Um, businesses have approached strategy and planning as well. Yeah, so go for it, Matt. I, I was just going to ask, um, there have been quite a few news stories in the U.S. about bosses panic buying spyware and worried about whether their uh, employees can possibly be productive remote. I don't know if there have been uh, as many stories in the U.K. Uh, but I've not heard okay. any. It's quite a series, and yeah, this is software that will monitor your keystrokes and take a, a picture of you every 15 minutes and measure whether you've been in email and what apps you're using. 
And you know, to to your point, Roger, um, this is not going to work, and that is not going to be successful. Um, you know, there's no way that that type of micromanagement is. Um, it, it never worked before, um, and that kind of extrinsic motivation uh, is not nearly as powerful as uh, the intrinsic motivation you can get from and um, actually trusting people and um, giving them autonomy. But I think you know, you're on a good point, which is um, this has accelerated everything and the, the coronavirus um, situation, of course. And uh, the genie's out of the bottle uh, to some extent. There's uh, the fear to some level is um, gone. You know, we've all proven now that we can make remote work actually happen. But I think part of this is it's creating an imperative to shift even faster into being the type of culture and company structure that can work and work in a remote world, but just in a newer future work world in general, and where we do give people more autonomy, where we do use uh, tools like OKRs to imbue work with purpose and clarity. Nothing motivates us to change more than a common enemy. You see it in wartime and you see a fantastic uh, innovation happen during wartime. And, you know, you could say that the common enemy that we all share is the virus. And that has forced some incredible innovation and some incredible change. Um, but we, we unfortunately are creatures that often like to remain in the status quo, should we say, because it's the path of least resistance. But we can, we're capable of some amazing things when, you know, when, when, when we really have to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the listeners has, has just asked a question in the chat. Unfortunately, your name is just the code. So unless you've gone very Elon Musk on us and that is your name, um, I, I, I can't, can't say who asked. But Scott, I'll pose this one to you if that's okay. There is now an additional requirement for communication, like this listener said and like we mentioned earlier. They're asking, are you assigning certain tools to certain activities? Um, you know, Slack for work communications you mentioned earlier. Um, but how can you not only utilize tools to maintain the social requirement Roger mentioned earlier, but actually promote everyone else to get on board as well? You know, you guys as business leaders don't have time to ring every single one of your members of staff and speak to them for 15 minutes a day, do you? So how can you right. use the tools to enhance the communication culture? Uh, great question. Um, I think companies that have handled this situation, uh, COVID and working remotely well, have been very deliberate about what tools they use for what types of communication um, and establishing a, a, a deliberate cadence around that. And I think um, you know, being you know, deliberate is, is really the key word there. Those organizations that have done it, again, well, have been, you know, Forthright, and I think uh, Roger, you touched on this earlier in terms of setting a regular cadence around communication. Um, but tying that back to the individual tools, I don't, you know, no one tool is, is going to satisfy all the communication needs and requirements. So Zoom has its place, Slack has its place. Um, we, in particular, have typically found, especially in you know physical work environments, where you know two, three months ago, um, the the notion of weekly status report was considered to be bureaucratic, overbearing, um, time-consuming, and something that was, you know, perhaps, a, you know, viewed by individual contributors as a waste of time. Now we're seeing most organizations move to a, a situation where they really are embracing the notion of weekly status reports. And you can use a variety of different tools for that, but, 
you know, the embracement of that type of communication and sharing that information between team members has just become paramount. And, uh, and most organizations are starting to embrace that uh, type of methodology, excuse me. Um, and what we're hoping, of course, is that over the course of time, and when we go back to, to a you know, real work environment where people are going back into the office, that that continues to be the case, that organizations continue to embrace that as a communication tool. And in the future of work context, um, as this continues to be, you know, the situation where most organizations are going to need to deliberately um, encourage and, and in some cases forced to embrace the, the future of work and remote work that they continue those types of best practices that they've learned over the last couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. Roger, do you have anything to add on that? Um, just, uh, you know, just looking at the question, I would say, you know, when he asks about tools, just, just to maybe share the way that we work. And yes, we use Slack for business and we, you know, if we want to get social, then we go to usually use WhatsApp, to be honest. Uh, and it just creates, a, it just creates a bit of demarcation, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, I think, you know, the, the, the tools that we, we tend to make use of uh, are, are those two. Yeah. Zoom, like the rest of the world do now. Um, and, um, you know, we use uh, collaboration tools like Trello um and we use tools with clients for things like group map and so on so i think yeah. it is about finding testing and trying out and seeing what works uh, you know those those tools that i've mentioned um we uh, aren't necessarily the first ones that we tried you know we mm. have i mean you've been trying a lot for us haven't you yeah absolutely i think yeah. you know but the i guess the flip side of that is you can overdo it with communication tools you know by the time yeah. you've got, by the time you've got Trello and WhatsApp and Zoom and Slack and Basecamp and all of these different things, at some point it is so overbearing. I would turn all of them off. Um, well, some, some, <laughs> someone, someone, someone sent me an invite to join Microsoft Teams, not as a guest for a call, but actually the Teams app recently. And I just yeah, so there's another one. I just um, I can't I can't add another one into the mix. I just don't have the bandwidth for it. <laughs> okay so thank you for that question um in in the chat there if anyone has any others please do pop it in the chat um matt as you brought up the last usa study um i'll i'm going to pose this question to you um which is something that i have seen coming out of the states which is that a lot of people and actually in the majority from what i saw um of people said they were willing to take a pay cut to actually be able to continue working from home I don't know. Is this something employees need to be listening to, or is this just kind of some employee pipe dream and people de do need to accept that we do need to get back to work at some point? I think that it's a great question. And one of the interesting things is a lot of this data was coming out from way before the Corona and virus crisis. And so right. there, there have been studies, you know, what's, what's most important and to feeling engaged at work were the most important benefits. Uh, and these, you know, this has been a, a constant conversation over the last decade. You know, why haven't we been able to move the needle in terms of how connected and engaged people feel at work? Uh, and it's mm -hmm. all about, you know, do I feel connected to my team? Do I feel connected to my boss? Do I get feedback? 
Um, you know, is there, does my work feel purposeful? Do I understand how I'm connected to the company's mission? And there are a bunch of different factors. Uh, but one of the really common refrains was, yeah, I want more flexibility in how I do work. I want to have uh, flexible hours. I, I want to be able to work from home sometimes. Um, so this is nothing new. And no. you know, it's part of why it's been a, a future of work topic for a long time. You know, now it's, wow, we've, we've proven that uh, we, are, we all did it. We're proving that it works. We're having to change the way that we work um, a little bit you know, with more deliberate communication and with OKRs becoming even more, more critical, for example. Um, but now a lot of people don't want to give it up. Uh, and you know, I would say you know, even our employees at Koan, uh, it's probably a, a mix that a lot of other organizations might see as well, which is there's a few people that um, really want to get back to the office and, and work from the office because they're just not feeling productive from home. But the majority, um, you know, they'll, they'll want to come into the office sometimes, uh, but they're actually very productive from home. And, and they might want to do it half time or the majority of time. Um, and you know, we're also uh, suddenly even more open to hiring people that are, are full or remote. Um, you know, and that's, that's something that uh, we've done previously you know, as a company. But all these changes, I, I think, are typical. And, yeah, would I accept a pay cut to do it? Um, maybe, um, and part of it is, well, if I don't have to live in, uh, the Bay area of California, for example, and I can go to a place that has a more reasonable cost of living and a better lifestyle, perhaps, um, then I'll do that. Barry, it's not bad, is it, Roger? No, it's not bad. And I'm curious, though, <laughs> would you accept a pay cut to work remotely? No chance. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Yorkshireman. I'm a Yorkshireman. The word pay cut isn't in my vocabulary. <laughs> um, I was just about to come on to how we can start to use, and I was going to shamelessly plug you in here, Roger. You know, Matt said, okay, obviously employers have to start listening now, right? You know, or they're going to lose their best staff. That seems like the long and short story of it. Um, you know, I was going to ask you how OKRs can be used to get employees to boost this, but Pearson's just put a question in the chat, um, which I think you can pick up on along the same lines, which is what are the key elements to make OKRs work well remotely and how they're different to if you're in the office? Oh, great question. Great question. Um so more more than ever, it's down to uh, the cadence of regular checking conversations around them. Um, it's that communication piece again. Exactly, exactly. Now, I'm not saying, and I, I know we said that we talk every day, and we, do, we don't discuss OKRs every day. In fact, we do them every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that, you know, discussing progress and confidence um, more than you know, more frequently than, than that could be kind of really overdoing it. But I think once a week, and I, I, I can tell you personally, you know, we, we've we've actually altered our, um, uh, our, our, our our cycles as well because we we've taken our twelve month objectives and reframe those down as six month objectives, and we've taken our three month objectives and and reframe those down as two months now. So we're working on two month cycles, and boy, has that been so much more uh, brought so much more focus. And, um, you know, I, I'm blocking time out in my diary to make sure that I'm working on, on, on the activities that will drive the OKRs because it's very easy to 
you know, get blown off course with, you know, other really important stuff like business development and so on and so forth. But you've got to make the time for them. So, yeah, I think you can change. You can look at changing the cadences. Um, it is about getting the really good uh, um, uh, check-in routines and, that, and making sure that that uh, communication is there. But then it's also about um, leveraging the tools that you've got. And, you know, um, unashamed plug for, for Koan because we use it. You know, I just I, I love that when you've done your, you know, when we've all done our reflections in, in ahead of the, the check-ins, the checking conversations that we do on the Monday mornings, we've done the reflections ahead of that. Me as, 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 as the, you know, as, as the, as the manager, I suppose. The big I, bad I, boss. I, the big, the big bad boss. Yes, being able to just, just, to, just, to, just to see what what people are, are saying about you know where they're up to with certain things and what their reflections are on the week and see that and be able to acknowledge that, um, be able to make comments against it and so on. And I just, I just find leveraging those the, the tools is is super useful. It really is, and I think. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's I think it's down to looking at your cycles. So, what cycles are your OKRs working to? It's about your, your, the frequency of check in, and it's about leveraging the tools to make sure that those, you know, you get even more value uh, from from, uh, from communication as well. Yeah, just to add a couple of points there, I think um, the reflections that you mentioned, Roger. I think you know, in in Koan, for example, you can provide feedback on those right everyone can provide feedback on everybody's in their team um but i think it's really important especially when working remotely that the feedback you provide is really quite earnest um and you're 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 honest and true in how you're feeding back to people and maybe picking up from with another conversation if it needs to take place because Mm. you know social interaction human interaction is all about seeing seeing body language of how people feel um, and being able to react to it in the office. And and you can't do that. And that is part of OKRs because it's part of culture and it's part of feedback um, and, and it's part of um, just human responsiveness, basically. So if people are having an off week where they're not making progress on their OKRs, they A, need to be honest about it in, in the check-ins and the reflections, but also people need to be sympathetic and you know see what they can do to help and really you've got to have some sort of transparent system to make that happen well. You know, let's face it, an Excel spreadsheet is not going to help you convey that you're having a shit week, Um, whereas there are other tools out there to to help on that. Um, Scott, do you have anything that you'd like to add for Pearson on that question? Yeah, and thank you for that. And and I would love to get TBG's um, input on this as well, but we typically – see a common mistake when deploying the OKR methodology is that organizations only have managers or VPs or directors of the organization report on the status uh, of the key results. They're the ones that are responsible for updating the metrics and their current confidence ratings and so on. And um, A, we you know, believe even that uh, in a physical, you know, everybody in the office work environment, not a great way to go um, because it's not involving the key stakeholders, the people that are actually doing the work and contributing to successfully achieving those uh, objectives and key results. So in the, in the Koan, not to shamelessly plug our product, but I guess I will. In the Koan context, we certainly recommend that um, the contributor, we call them contributors to key results are involved every week 
in rating their confidence level around key results as well and providing those comments in addition to that weekly status report of what we call the weekly reflection. And so by involving the individual contributors that are involved in actually doing the hard work to achieve the OKRs, you, you do inject that notion of ownership, autonomy, recognition for the work that they're doing, and ultimately you're getting much better alignment throughout the organization. And if you only limit it to the managers or directors within the organization, you only get one one lens on how how the organization is performing is is that um, you know Roger Lawrence are, are those you know kind of mistakes or things you see when you go into work with clients? Roger, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say so. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that happen. I've seen it. There's be easy mistakes that have been made. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, one of the mistakes that we see a lot as well as are. Um, and this is very true working remotely as well. The senior teams having lots and lots and lots of conversations um, over Zoom and whatever, especially during a time of crisis, which hopefully we will be moving out of, um, and expecting that everybody else just somehow knows by some sort of strange osmosis what's happened in those Zoom calls and not being transparent and not telling everybody so, you know, all hands meetings where you're dating everybody on the, the strategy and movements of the organization are really, really important as well, even more so when working remotely, because you can't just overhear a conversation um, that you might have, might have overheard before. Um, okay, so Roger, you discussed earlier kind of about how we've pivoted business a little bit um, and, you know, our thoughts for moving forwards as well. We even had the conversation this morning. Um, Matt, what's your current thoughts on, you know, what you're going to do with Coan moving forward when all of this is over? And, you know, they, they come out and say, right, everybody can return to their offices. Is it going to be a phone call that Monday morning telling everyone to be in by 9 a.m.? What's your thoughts? <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> we, Scott and I were on a, um, a Zoom call with a bunch of other uh, portfolio companies from one of our lead investors um, last Friday. And uh, this is a, a big topic of conversation is, all right, what's the plan? Um, you know, stay at home orders are, are slowly being lifted around the world you know, and across the United States, depending on um, the specific location. So, all right, what is this going to look like? Um, do we mm -hmm. wear masks while we're in the office? And uh, do we have to move our, our desks further apart? Can we even fit everybody into the office if we were all jam-packed and, and still meet uh, health guidelines? Um, and you know, it was kind of all over the map. You know, one of the some of the interesting data points were a lot of companies that had either they just got lucky and their lease uh, was ending, uh, or if they made um, the much riskier and difficult decision of hey, we're going to break our leases because uh, we just can't afford this. And um, but. Generally speaking, you know, everybody's uh, perspective was this is going to change how we're thinking about office space um, forever. Maybe we're going to have smaller offices. Uh, maybe we're not going to have offices at all. And we're hiring more people that are uh, remote um, in less expensive locations. Uh, for us, uh, it's going to be kind of the, the pragmatic middle. Uh, we're still going to have an office. And uh, we're, we're going to have it be open, um, you know, meeting uh, the U.S. CDC guidelines. Um, might not be able to have a coffee maker for a while, for example. Um, but, you know, for our culture, there's a set of people that do want to be in the office and feel more productive there. 
So we yeah. want to have a, an office environment for them. Um, we've always uh, been a remote friendly company uh, in the sense that I live in a different state than uh, where our, our, our core office is. And we have you know, other employees in there, the same situation. Um, now we're going to be a, even more a remote first um, organization. And uh, that's probably pretty typical for what a lot of people are, are facing going forward. Absolutely. To, to add on to that, what's going to be interesting about this particular situation is that one policy is not going to be able to apply to all the employees. They're, it is going to be very individualistic, and I think we're going to have to open it up to you know, people making their own choices as to how quickly they return to work. Um, how often they they are actually in the office, and there are you know some, some very real kind of scenarios where individuals may you know, just prefer to work from home, um, but there are also real scenarios where they have particular health issues, or they're just more sensitive to the the overall concern globally around uh, you know potentially getting COVID, and they're frankly more nervous about the situation. And I think we've got to be accommodating to those individual circumstances, and that that's yeah. uh, that's a, a a different way of approaching things than the command and control structure from before. Sorry, Roger. Yeah, I, no, I think I think you make a really really good point there, uh, Scott. I think um, it, it's easy if you're in a if you've got a team that where everybody can work remotely and nobody's got issues, you know, in the in 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 the home, which is makes it you know a, an unproductive environment in which to work. Then it's easy to assume that. Everybody else is in the same boat, and that's not the case. Yeah. That's not the case at all. You've got some who you say you know could be quite anxious for very good reason about uh, 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 about exposing themselves to any risk of catching the virus, and uh, and also uh, conversely, you've got those that actually really could do with getting back to the office because for whatever reason their domestic situation is really not conducive to to working from home. Uh, I mean, fortunately, I only have two needy dogs to 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 bother with. It. But I can imagine if I had, you know, um, rather loud children knocking around and and such like that could make things very very different. And I, I do have friends who, you know, have have boys that are like uh, two and three years old, and he and he's trying to drive a, a you know a, a product team whilst um, uh, and, and do all these scrumming and sprinting whilst he's got two or three year olds causing mayhem. Which I mean, is this not is an easy thing to do, but so I think, and when this comes back to the office, um, I think we have to be prepared to accommodate those that need that want to get back to the office, but mm. we also at the same time have to make allowances for those that are are are, are equally productive and 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 performing at home as well. Mm. I'm going to make a Thanks prediction for... about the future. Paul, yes, I love it. Um. So my uh, my uh, one prediction about the future, um, you know, five ten years from now, I, I think all of this is going to actually fundamentally change how we think about our our home layouts yeah. and experiences. And so you know, this idea of uh, maybe there is just a kitchen table to do work on when you're occasionally doing some extra work from home. Um, you know, no way. This is uh, this is going to fundamentally shift our expectations of. Yeah, I, I need a, a place to be productive at home, and I'm going to set things up in a way and look at the apartment I'm renting or a house I'm going to purchase uh, with yeah. all of that in mind. I think it's going to shift behaviors in a pretty deep way. Do you think it will start to shift, um, you know, actually who people work for and where they're based? For example, 
you know, I'm in the UK. Is there anything stopping me at this moment getting a job in New York but not actually moving there? Probably the time zones might not be that great to work with, but physically there's nothing stopping you. Well, I, I'm, I'm a, be interesting to see if, if that does start to take shape. I mean, I was chatting to somebody yesterday who's living in Vancouver working for a German company and is working at ma making it work just fine. Um, but that'll be interesting to see as well. So, Matt, are you saying our next podcast should be on the future of home then? <laughs> Uh, perhaps. Uh, but I, I think the question you just asked gets right back to that imperative of, okay, and you know, when people can work remotely and the genie is now out of the bottle, that becomes mm. even more the imperative for organizations to do this right and to create the work environments that people want to be a part of uh, and that attract remote workers. Um, and so right back to the theme of, all right, we better get smart about how to do things like use OKRs to create these better work environments um, and actually embrace uh, autonomy and uh, the ability for people to be productive from home and work with purpose. That's an imperative now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Roger, I'm going to pose this question to you because you've been mentioned in person uh, in the comment. So Jen's asked that you mentioned that us at TBG have moved to two-month OKRs on our shortest cadence. Mm -hmm. Would you advise getting even shorter than that, you know, in certain industries? Jen's mentioned retail there, for example. Um, in all honesty, probably not. Um, I think if I, if I understand the question, I, 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 I'm guessing that what, what Jen's driving at there is, you know, a fa a, a, like retail. She gives a retail as an example. You know, retail, hopefully, when all the shops reopen again, you know, retail has a is a is a often quite a fast paced um, sector to be in, and I I think maybe the measures which you need to use there are probably more akin to health metrics or KPIs which you're keeping a close track on, because we've mm. got to remember that OKRs are about usually driving change and transformation, um, yeah. and I, I I I my concern is if you if you if you shorten it down to say a month, uh, for instance. You, you haven't really got much time to actually crack on with the work because you'll be you'll, 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 you'll be evaluating and then resetting okrs you know literally within a, a couple of weeks of having that you know having having set them previously so i think that could get a little bit uh, all consuming really yeah i think that's fair enough yeah. um i'm interested just to end on a note that's been brought up a couple of times which it's, it's about culture, really, um, and, and we know it's vital for OKRs. We've, we've been over this before, but culture for me is something that the organization lives and breathes. Um, how can employers make sure that that culture still, still is living and still is breathing and still is what they want it to be um, in, in a remote working scenario? How, how can that happen? Uh, Scott, maybe you can pick up on that. Uh, that's that's a tough question. Um, I was hoping you weren't going to pick me. Culture is culture is a tough thing to define, and I think it uh, it means different things to a lot of different people. I, you know, the camaraderie that you have in an office is you know palpable. Uh, the mm. you know laughter over a cup of coffee, and um, I don't know, just you know, there's there's a different different vibe about it and 
replicating that in a remote work environment, I think is going to be, you know, challenging, to be honest. I, I'm not sure you're going to get back to a scenario where you have, uh, you can, you can directly replicate, uh, you know, Wednesday evening drinks at the local pub. Um, that's just obviously not you know, going to be much more challenging. What we've done at Cohen, which I think is really neat and, and the employees have really uh, loved it is actually creating remote uh, happy hours. So, Usually on, on Wednesdays, actually, at 4.30, we'll set up a, a happy hour, and then we have different uh, activities. We had a, There are all sorts of different apps that are popping up for creating you know, uh, or, you know, joint activities online using Zoom or a variety of different applications. We do Pictionary. We do Trivia. We do, there's an idea to do po- you know, poker night where everybody can play poker together, and uh, it's fun. I mean, we, we have I'll see you on Wednesday night. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think those are great tips and they're, they're totally fun. And you have to add some structure to you know, what might have been sort of automatic. Like we get that energy from, from being together uh, just in the office and uh, mm. maybe over a cup of coffee randomly. Now it takes structure um, and it takes some, some, some thought to add. Um, yeah, is it the Wednesday virtual happy hour? Is it some other practice? Um, you know, I usually think of culture as simply being the behaviors uh, that you really live with uh, as a company and what you say is important. And so whether that's, you know, OKRs, like as a leader, I care enough to write down what's important and therefore you know, enable my team to uh, get their best work done. Or whether it's, yeah, we, we care enough about connecting with one another that we'll uh, take a moment to share non-work things with one another and uh, have that open feedback and some fun. It just takes a bit more structure and thoughtfulness. Roger, close us out. Wow. What's your thoughts? What do you want? A song? <laughs> <laughs> uh, clo- closing thoughts, closing thoughts. Um, oh, God. What I would say is, whilst, I mean, this, this, this period has been really traumatic for you know millions, if not billions of people around the world. And, and you know, I... I, I, I have friends who have lost people and I know it's been it, the, the amount of loss that has been experienced is, is, is certainly not to be overlooked, forgotten about, trivialized or anything like that. How, however, that I do genuinely believe that there is so much good that's going to, going to come out, going to come out of this. Mm. And I think we're glimpsing in the, in the, in the conversation that we've had over the past hour, I think we're glimpsing at some of the, some of the real benefits that we, that we can, we can seize and we can continue to build on from this point onwards. Like I said, you know, when we, when we when our backs are against the wall and we've all got a common enemy, we can do some amazing things. And I yeah. think you know, we, 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 a lot of people have shifted in a very, very short space of time. And that's not something that you often see. And that's why I think this this period will be looked back on, not not just for the loss, which should never be forgotten, but also for 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 how it's gonna move us how it will help us move forward. Mm. How it will help us transform in the way that we work, in the way that we you know, we, we functions as teams and organizations. Absolutely. No, I think that's a really a, a very nice closing. Considering I put you on the spot there, um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm impressed. Well, there um, we go. <laughs> it doesn't look like we've got any more questions coming into into the chat. 
Um, but of course, you know, you guys can always reach us on LinkedIn. It's Roger Longden, Matt Tucker, Scott Campbell, uh, Lawrence Walsh, or, you know, find us on coan.co or therebegiants.com and join us and have a chat because we're always happy to talk to you about any of this stuff. Um, hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Like I say, this is the first of a monthly live podcast series that we're going to be doing. Um, tell your friends, tell your colleagues. It's great to have more listeners, as many people engage with it as possible. Uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, please go to your um, OKR platform of choice and give it a five-star review because, to be completely honest, it's actually in my OKRs for this uh, two months to get some <laughs> to get some more reviews. So, so if you could do that, you'd be really helping me out. Um, but no, in all seriousness, stay well, stay safe, and, and thank you for listening and uh, look forward to talking to you next time. Cheers, guys. Bye. Okay. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye.